0: Good afternoon all on this very, very wet Friday afternoon as Uncle Mort, one of the commenters on YouTube, has already put it, window watch, rain. Rain and more rain. But we're gonna to stick to the football. Dave Freezer here, alongside Paddy Davitt. we'll also bring this to you on the Pink and Podcast audio stream and future radio 107.8 FM. But Pad, how about uh, how you doing? How are you enjoying the uh, the Euros so far? We're uh, we're all looking forward to to England Scotland tonight, aren't we? seeing how handy uh, seeing how hand it gets on. I I watched their game against Czech Republic the other day, actually, and I thought overall Grant was, was pretty good, but he's I, I searched his name on Twitter as you do at half time. Um, and, and he was getting loads and loads of praise before the goal when he was beaten by about two centimetres in the air or whatever by a £40 million striker. But after the goal, all of a sudden, he was the worst player in the world.
1: <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that, Dave. This is almost as if we've we've chatted prior to, rather than me rushing to join you on, on screen. But um, I've literally, in the last hour, just put some quotes up along those lines. Steve Clark, Scotland coach, uh, asking elements of the Tartan army to lay off him because... He clearly, as you referenced there, he feels like he's a bit of a marmite character. It would have, it would appear, you know, some clearly don't fancy him at the heart of Scotland's central defence with Foden and uh, Sterling and Kane running at him tonight. But uh it's not as if they've got a huge amount of other options, is it, in that area of the park? And uh, anybody who watched in from a distance in green and yellow this uh, this past season, I think you'd, you'd feel that's a little bit harsh. Yes, of course. As you rightly said, there you're not playing forty million pound strikers in the championship most weeks, or if at all. But um, I think he's a he's a player who you probably appreciate if you see him a, a bit more regularly than uh, because you look at him and what you see, you see a very almost throwback type centre back, a big powerhouse of a defender. Um, and then you probably make some misconceptions from from what you see, but ultimately for me, he's he's a better defender than. Uh, I can't think there's another Scottish centre back who should be playing ahead of him. So uh, I'm not quite sure why there's you know there's one or two oh. who are choosing to single him out. Yes, he could have done better in the air, but um, you saw by that lad's Patrick Schick's second goal, 50-yard lob over David Marshall. He, he looks a bit of a special player that lad. So yeah. I don't think it was. I don't think you could you could really. You know, extrapolate from one aspect of that game that Grant Hanley didn't really perform because Steve Clark, again, in that piece that's gone up on the pink, and he, he felt he was outstanding in the second half. You know, when Scotland were pushing forward and leaving themselves a little bit exposed at the back, his pace again. You don't associate with that with Grant Hanley if you don't see him week in week out, but he has excellent pace. Daniel Farquhar always talks about. There's only probably Poeta in the in the squad who's quicker than him over a certain period of. Of distance. So, his his passing range has got far better. Working with Daniel Farker, he's he's much more accomplished on the ball. Um, I I think that's very, very harsh to to be singling him out for criticism, um, given it's not as if they've got Virgil Van Dyke in the wings, is it? If you're Scotland or, or, uh, you know, uh, Harry Maguire even. But um, we'll see. You know, I'm sure most England fans slash Norwich fans will hope he plays well individually tonight. Um, But obviously England get the result. I I think they are a a little bit limited, Scotland, in terms of the attacking side of the game. And ultimately, that's probably... I mean, you know, it's a derby essentially tonight. So, I don't subscribe to the theory England will romp this game. I think it'll be a pretty tight game. But you do feel England's creative output compared to Scotland's chalk and cheese. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. But uh, just hope on a personal level he has a good game because uh, anybody who watched him this season, past season, he was... Pretty influential, really. You know, um, and that was recognised with his position in terms of the Player of the Year rating uh, by Norwich fans. They've seen enough of him to know that he's a probably an underrated player. But um, hey ho, you know, Scott, if Scotland fans need convincing, that's that's up to them. But I'm pretty sure Norwich fans wouldn't be Julian concerned uh, if he was leading the team out against Liverpool come August the fourteenth weekend, as we discovered midweek.
0: Yeah, I thought his use of possession, you could see that that's a Farker player playing amongst quite limited players, other than maybe McTominay's good in his day, McGinn I like, Andrew, Andrew Robinson would definitely be the England team if he was English. He's an outstanding player, isn't he? But anyway, we'll park that. It, just, it always makes me laugh that people do judge books by cover, don't they? <laughs> you know, Grant Hanley, always a big centre-back, he's not quick. And then, you know, Norwich fans have known that for years. Just remember the equaliser against Ipswich and what, 2018, when he uh, ke- keeps the ball in before the Tim Closer goal and stuff. It's, he, he is quick. There's no doubt about it. So yeah. move on, everyone. Anyway, we've got loads of comments coming in uh, already. Terry Wogan on YouTube, apparently. Good afternoon, gents. Please bless me with some good news so we can get this transfer window going. Well, Pad, we have seen a deal done. Uh, it's the first loanee going out of, of many, no doubt, as we're very used to now. Neil Adams is normally looking after about 20, 25 players over the course of a season, isn't he? Rhys McAleer heading up to Inverness Caledonian Thistle, so Scottish Championship level. We only saw him briefly, didn't we, in, in one Championship game?
1: We did, yeah. Um, So I, I can't really pass judgment on, on the lad, but he's clearly highly thought of. Um, I saw some quotes from the Inverness manager, basically sort of alluding to what Norwich paid for him um, relative to his age. So there's a player there, but... I think with with there'll be a common theme with any player who leaves Norwich this summer on loan, and that is essentially that they're not good enough for Norwich in a Premier League right here, right now. That isn't to say that they could down the line, but, uh, you know, it makes perfect sense. And ultimately, that's as you touched on there with Neil Adams' status, that's a key, key plank of Norwich's, well, you know, development of players, essentially. Um We've seen it with Todd Cantwell in the past, uh, you know, who went out and benefited hugely and now look at him, you know, an integral member of Daniel's first team. Uh, nice cut, by the way. Um, and also we've got, yes. you know, we've got lads who are probably a bit closer to Daniel's consideration. That that for me is the Alabama Dailies and the Adam Eders of this world and obviously, you know, Josh Martin to an extent last season and they won't go out. So, you know, there's a twin track approach with those development talents if we want to label them that. And I think this guy, um, he is a teenager, isn't he, still, or is, if not very early in, into his 20s. Yeah, 19, so, I
0: think.
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, he's hes not going to be anywhere near Norwich's first team go and play in the Scottish Championship. That's thats the, the the key, really, to it. And Neil Adams has touched on this, did a big interview towards the end of this, well, in the summer, uh, just after the end of the season, to Norwich's official site. And there is an art to placing players, because they're all slightly different ages and slightly different stages of their development. And, you know, you take... Tyrese Omitoy, who was in and around, you know, Norwich's sort of first team around Christmas time when there was a few injuries to the striking areas. They felt he'd probably outgrown development football, um, but didn't really work for him that loan at Swindon. You know, that was a team struggling at the wrong end of League One. Um, probably couldn't take a gamble on him by exposing him too too much too much. He didn't play a lot of minutes. So he comes back to Norwich a summer and and that loan probably hasn't really worked for him, but that is the gamble, you know. You're trying to place these players in environments where they can kick on again and come back. And the one is just popped straight into my head. You know, Ben Godfrey. That, that wasn't a bad loan at, at Shrewsbury, was it? That one year he had, albeit in a slightly different position to where Daniel saw him. But you know, he came back a lot closer to the first team, and, and look what he's gone on to do now, both for country and club. So um, that's that's what it's about. It's almost the mid to longer term harvesting of these players. And, and one thing is for sure Reese McAleer will not be the last Norwich Loney going out of the club this summer there's going to be quite a few of them um, everybody from you know Sam McCallum and Sinani to for me maybe Soto um, even the younger ones and maybe one or two of the senior ones you know, we, you know we're looking at what they do inward uh, and I'm sure we'll get into that in due course this afternoon but you know, if they bring in players that they want in the certain areas of the squad they want, then there's question marks for me against Hernandez, Poeta, Hugo, those type of players, and maybe. Um, so, really, really, really interesting aspect to Norwich's summer transfer window, I think, who goes out and who stays.
0: Absolutely. Loads still to happen. I think as of today, it's 74 days remaining of the transfer window. So there is still plenty of time. And um, those of you who read my piece on uh, on pinkin.com and in the papers today and stuff, looking at why it's been a slow transfer market, obviously, we've got the Euros going on, the copper America as well. Only six Premier League clubs have made any signings at all yet. Um Watford, for instance, have brought in Danny Rose um, on free transfer and also Ashley Fletcher from Middlesbrough, which is I thought was a bit of an odd one considering he's not really done a, a lot for Borough as a striker and always seems to have a fairly dodgy injury record. But uh, Wolves signed a player from Colombia for £4 million yesterday. So other than Liverpool um, spending, uh, I think it was £36 million on Canate from Red Bull Leipzig, we're really yet to see things get going. So I guess people are a little bit anxious um, as to things not really getting underway but uh, since we did the last window watch last friday i i guess as a good starting point pad before we dive into the to the questions is just a quick summary of where we're at with things really because we're in, we're in a bit of a holding pattern sort of re-angus gun and and, and Tata, um, uh, clark sorry isn't it
1: well only in the sense with angus i think he's still away um but by all accounts as we sit here today um by this time next week, he will be a Norwich player and it will be confirmed uh, early part of next week was the last I heard in terms of the formalities. He has to obviously come to, to Colney, to to Norwich, to Norfolk and complete his medical and, and so on and uh, sign obviously the relevant documentation. So uh, barring an 11th hour or, or a 23.59, should I say, hitch, he will be a Norwich player and that'll be the first senior signing of the summer. Uh, the Peter Bellad is done. Um, I should just no. say,
0: Pad, I got his name wrong there. It's Flynn Clark, not Tyler Yeah, correct.
1: Clark. Correct, yeah. Um He is done, but I think the feeling inside the club was obviously post-Emi Buendia's departure. They didn't really want to be rolling out uh, with the greatest respect to this lad. We're talking a lot of there about Reese McAleer and younger players. He's not a player who's going to be threatening Daniel's first team plans this coming season. So I, I think the messaging, they didn't really want that to be the first signing of the summer in terms of the public perception of, of all that post-Emi Buendia. So it will be Angus Gunn. Uh this lad, the lad's in the building. There's a, a link to an Exeter wide player earlier today, 21-year-old. If there was to be anything in that direction, that again would be one for the future. He's not going to be threatening Daniel's first-team plans uh, next season. And ultimately, I'll go back to the piece you've referenced, and it's there for anybody to want to look on pingan.com. 20 clubs in the Premier League. What for the side? The other 19 have done three, four deals as it is now with Wolves doing that one yesterday. That's four deals across 19 clubs. Anybody who's getting a bit panicky about Norwich's lack of business just needs to take a step back, take a deep breath, and look at what is happening across the entire Premier League. There isn't business happening right here, right now, in terms of a torrent and, and the reasons for that. We all know, you know, the Euros is on, uh, players and representatives are still, this is their downtime. You know, things are starting to happen. You can see that. You can see the for me, it's, it's sort of correlation with the amount of speculation and the rumours. They're starting to pick up now as well. The last few days, I felt there's a lot more players getting touted with uh, des- different destinations, and that's going to accelerate now as we get into through the Euros, back end of the Euros, back into pre-season and then building up to the Premier League season. So anybody who's fearing that Norwich are, are, are slow off the mark, well, the data across the entire Premier League would tell you that isn't the case. I think... Pertinently, two seasons ago, before they were at this stage going into the Premier League season, before I think I'm right in saying they'd only done Patrick Roberts. The reality is, I know they've both been in the building with quite a considerable amount of time, but Ben Gibson and Demetrius Yunoulis are two new signings who will be unveiled officially as Norwich players at the start of July. So you can say that's semantics, but ultimately that is two new signings. Angus Gunn will be a third. I think that's that's a pretty healthy rate of uh, progression at this stage of the summer. So I don't think there's any Norwich fan needs to be concerned that if they feel Stuart Webber is not on the ball, then they haven't been observing him very closely in the last two or three years, have they?
0: Yeah. Uh, Shiny new things. That's what people like in transfer windows, isn't it? And (laughs) Gibson and your new list. No, they're they're old news. We want, we want new faces and that's, that's just how it works for some people, isn't it? But yeah, they, they cannot be overlooked. And also, the fact that that's a significant outlay on those boys, you're talking 8 million on Gibson, 6 million on your new list in that that sort of a region. So Norwich committed to a fair bit of money there. And I think most people agree that those, both of those players look like pretty uh, good bits of scouting um, overall. Right. One, uh, one other thing before we dive into the questions, actually pad one link, which emerged over the weekend was Philip billing, wasn't it at Bournemouth, the the midfielder. Um, As far as we understand it, he is a player that Norwich like and, I'm sort of framing this in my head as as similar to the Adam Armstrong deal in that he's a player they like, he's a top championship performer. If it ends up being in the uh, financial realms that they can deal with, i.e., not sort of twenty odd million or fifteen plus million, probably, um, then he's one that they'd be quite keen to do business on. What, what do you make of Philip Billing? Because he, he doesn't seem to be. Um, when I put that um, story out on Saturday, um, it certainly wasn't greeted with sort of universal approval. But there was plenty of people who thought it was a good idea.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, well, ultimately, it's an area of the pitch where we know Norwich are going to be active. They they yeah. want two, and and that might not include Ollie Skip if if they can get him in again. So um, it fits it fits the area of the recruitment that they've prioritised. That's for sure. The link with Stuart Weber goes back to their Huddersfield days, so you can understand why why that that. Link is there. Um, and ultimately, for me, it's a bit of realism. Nor- Norwich are going to be looking for players of a certain calibre, at a certain figure, that aren't going to be ready-made Premier League commodities because that's not the market they're in. You know, I mean, look at... We don't want to keep labouring the point, but if Aston Villa can throw 30-plus million at Emi Buendia, um, that's just, uh, you know, Arsenal getting linked with 40 million bids for Ben, ben White, the Brighton centre-back... Norwich—it's a different stratosphere, completely, completely different stratosphere. Same Premier League, yes, but um, ultimately, Norwich—we're going to have to target players of a Philip Billing kind, kind of financial and footballing standard, and and it looks a decent prospect to me. But uh, you know, as Daniel said himself, didn't he? Again, at the end of the season, their strategy un- inevitably in- entails a lot of risk to it because they can't go and buy a £30 million player. That would be the budget completely gone on one player. So, um, you're right. If it, if if any player, whether it's Billing, whether it's Armstrong, if we're getting up to the realms of £20 million, forget it. Forget it simply because it's financially not viable. It is not going to happen with Norwich City this summer. Um, even selling Emmy Buendia, it's a non-starter. So, you know, there has to be a degree of realism with some of these players are getting linked with. And, you know, even moving on to the Adam Armstrong thing, £8 million, I saw a report earlier in, in the week. Well, I don't, I don't know I don't know where you're getting eight million from for a player who scored as many goals as he did last season. I know he's only got twelve months left, but um, you know I've seen West Ham, I've seen Southampton linked to him as well as Norwich. And if there's any grain of truth in those other clubs, then he is not leaving Blackburn for eight million. Uh, I think Alan Nixon, a very wise old sage uh, journalist in the <laughs> northwest, he says Blackburn are looking for twenty-five, and and I, and you might say, well, that's a bit too high for a lad with twelve months left on his contract, if that is his contractual status. But I'd certainly pitch, if he does go this summer, it'll be a lot closer to 25 million and eight. And if there is, so, I mean, for example, West if West Ham want Adam Armstrong, then Norwich can forget it. They'll move on because they won't be able to compete with West Ham financially. No no two ways about it. Yeah. Um, he is a player they like. There's no doubt about it. But again, I think it's one of those that, that maybe where they thought they could, if it isn't Adam Armstrong, uh, maybe pounce a little bit early and, and use the sort of the, the championship knowledge of that guy and maybe steal a march almost on some of, some of the bigger fish, if, if that isn't going to be the case, and that other clubs, far more established Premier League clubs in Norwich at the moment, are, are aware of Adam Armstrong and willing to bring him in, then I'm afraid that, that page will be getting turned very quickly because that's ultimately Norwich. Norwich almost have to catch teams out a little bit in terms of their recruitment and get in and get out quicker than teams who maybe aren't fully aware. And that obviously comes down to the...
0: The recruitment,
1: uh, the, the scouting element of the recruitment, and and being very proactive. And you know Ben Gibson, I remember him talking about how he was blown away by that first meeting he had with Daniel and, and Stuart this time last summer. Um, you know there was other interested clubs. He went into a meeting. He came out of that meeting. Norwich was the only place for him because the level of research they'd done on him, then even down to the degrees of the charity work he did in the local Middlesbrough area. You know that they knew all about his injury record, which surgeons had operated on him. Those forensic elements that aren't about pounds, shillings and pence, but they show an interested party. We really want you, and this is how far down the path we've gone to try and convince you to come in. Norwich have to be better than other clubs in those areas of when it comes to player trading, because if it's simply about who's got the the deepest pockets and the heaviest wallet, Norwich are going to miss out this summer. So, yeah, right here, right now, I I find it hard to think Adam Armstrong would become a Norwich player just because of, you know, if he's going to be getting touted with, a West Ham or a Southampton. It's very hard to see how Norwich can convince him to come here um, over those type of clubs. Because ultimately what Norwich are also fighting is is the perception that 12 months later, 12 months from now, they're back in the championship and there's no player, really, um, is probably going to want to take that level of gamble if you've got a West Ham or a Southampton. Keep using those clubs because they're the ones who've been linked to Adam Armstrong. But uh, time will tell. I mean, ultimately, Norwich are very keen you know, to bring in quality, not quantity to do that. They're going to have to spend a certain amount of money far beyond what they've done under Stuart Weber and Daniel Fargo before and probably beyond their transfer record, which is sort of 12, 30 million Robbie Brady level proportions. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not creating the, you know, the impression that they're going to have to go into the bargain basement, but in Premier League terms, it probably is going to be a bit bargain basement because they simply can't compete with the, astronomical figures that these other clubs, even in a pandemic market, seemingly are looking to spend. You know, it's... uh, Again, it's going to be about creativity and risk. That's essentially what Norwich's recruitment is this summer.
0: Yeah, it is, yeah. And um, Armstrong is a strange one as well, in that Blackburn seem to have got themselves into a bit of a hole over the sell-on fee with Newcastle. Apparently, it's 40%. I mean, that's just... um, A strange situation for them to have got into, you know, letting to get down to the last 12 months. I know they briefly flirted with the playoffs this year, but they were never really in with a a shout. So we shall see. There's plenty of people interested in Adam Armstrong. He scored 28 goals in the championship. We all know that. West Ham's an interesting one because Jared Bowen stepped up and, and did well, didn't he? From from Hull, so we shall see. Right, let's get into the Twitter questions. I've um, got a few here. Uh, Jake, NTFC, Jake says, "Do you think Norwich will spend over forty million this summer?"
1: No, uh, yeah,
0: unlikely, and, unless yeah. they would sell Aaron's and Campwell as Aaron's and Campwell as well. Um, very unlikely. I'll put this one to you, Pad. Freddie Gavita. Do you think we'll get any fees for the four outcast players or will it be similar to the Heiser deal? So we're talking Leitner, Dermich, Closer and Tribal.
1: No, absolutely no chance. No, all, all that will be is getting them off the wage bill, as it was with Heiser. I think there are a few clauses in the Heiser if he was to go on and do well at Karlsruhe. Um, so they'll protect themselves in that regard. But uh, no, with the greatest respect to that quartet. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe Dermich. Pardon mean. You're right, <laughs> Maybe, um, maybe, maybe George Dermich, but then they brought him in on a free. So in that regard, um, if it's, if, it, if it's, if that's a deal breaker to, to getting him out the door or keeping him here, then, then it's not going to happen. So, no, I think, um, uh, closer, no, can't see it. Um, Leitner and Tribal, no, I think, I think that operation this summer is get them off the wage bill and, uh, wish them all the best. You know, just, again, a bit like, uh, to a slightly different degree in terms of the young players who aren't really going to be part of it. They're not going to be part of it. The, the wheel has turned for for that four now. Um, the club have moved on and, and it's time for them players to move on as well.
0: Yeah, Dermich did score some goals for Rijeka. He's on standby for Switzerland, wasn't he, for the Euro? So there's a, there's a chance that he, there might be a bit of a fee. But yeah, as you say, it's all about the wages. Um, CB uh, on Twitter says, will the under-23s get some serious investment for new players this summer? Is this actually more important to get right for a self-sustained club than big money first teamers? Um, I'm not sure about serious investment. I think Norwich have a pretty steady investment. You hinted at this earlier, really, Pad, didn't you, when we were um, discussing the uh, the lad that was linked this morning, Joel Randall from, from Exeter. Um, you look at Reese McAleer, for instance, who's gone out on loan uh, just a couple of days ago. He's one when they brought him in from Motherwell, that was apparently 250000 with add ons and a sell on, et cetera. Uh, Leicester and West Ham had been linked with him at the time. So, um, you know, Akin Famawo, similar ish sort of money, I think, when they uh, brought him in from Luton. And, and if you. Regan Riley,
1: yeah. Dave, as well, the guy who brought in in January from Bolton. Yeah. yeah, similar
0: most of them do. I mean, Ben Godfrey was only 150,000 initially, wasn't he? I think it ended up being about a million after he was successful and stuff. But that's the thing. With that It's a big turnover and why you always have to sort of take academy stuff with a pinch of salt, don't you? That not every player makes it. As you were discussing earlier, Pad, some will get into the first team, some won't make it at all. Some will go out on loan and they might be able to make a bit of money on, but you do have to speculate a little bit. But I, I don't see that being a a priority to chuck millions at the uh, the academy because um, that's not quite where Norwich are. A bit like at first team level, they have quite a specific market that they're aiming at. Um, they they don't they can't just spend five. Uh, the player that uh, I no no I didn't mention yet that West Ham have signed this week. I can't remember his name, but he's from Chelsea, and um, they spent four and a half million on him. He's barely made any appearances at senior level, and doesn't seem to be one for their immediate first team. Norwich aren't really going to be doing that at the moment. Um, i put this one your way, pad from Sam Thomas. <clears throat> Given the wage structure we have, is it really likely we will bring in any 10 million plus players? Gwendier on 80,000 a week sounds like a lot, but can you find his talent in three players worth 11 million each on 25 grand a week? So you can see where they're going. Um, if we were going to spend all of that money, surely we would have kept him. I'm not sure it's quite as straightforward. as that, is it?
1: No, 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 no. Um, and ultimately, it would, you know, reading between the lines, he probably felt it was time for him to go as well. And and that flows into what Stuart always says about, you know, the model is about it's almost a mutual understanding. You know, they they do well by the player, the player does well by them. And then at the mutually agreeable time, if the money's right from an interested party, in the view of Stuart Weber particularly, then the, the club will cash in. And that's what's happened. Um, so I don't think I don't think they've kicked Emmy Buendia out the door. Let's put it that way. I think he was very very keen that this was the summer he was going to be leaving the football club, uh, and then it's about trying to get the best deal. If you're Norwich, protecting what you feel is the best deal within, because uh, you know I do accept that people are looking at a deal that's maybe structured around lower end of thirty million scale, and feel that's shortchanging a little bit. But ultimately, and this flows into what we've discussed so far on, on here this afternoon, that in order for Norwich to be able to do what they need to do, they need to generate revenue and revenue very quickly. And and in the context of a, a window that hasn't really got started yet, it's only them or Liverpool who've done, in terms of players trading in or out, done anything that remotely looks like a Premier League scale deal, you know, 30 plus million, what I'm talking about, Canate for Liverpool and obviously Villa taking Emi Buendia. Um, and that I think doing that so quickly will aid what Norwich now want to do over the next sort of weeks, month or so, because ultimately they could have, they could have rebuffed Villa and sat tight and waited and hoped, you know, to drive that price up a little bit more towards the back end of the window. But then if that then precludes them from doing what they want to do, and he still goes a week or two from the end of the window, then what good is having all that money sat in the bank if they start the season and they haven't reinforced and replaced Buendia. So on that aspect, no, I I think it wasn't a case that, that they could have kept Demi. I think ultimately it was always going to be the case. He was leaving this summer. Uh, and then in terms of replacing him, well, we've already said it, you know, re- creativity and risk. And that will basically mean bringing in, whether we're talking about attacking players, bringing in those scalar players that, A, they can afford budget-wise. And that's obviously, a, as the question is right to point out, it's not just the transfer fees, the salaries as well. Um, and I would imagine I'd stick my neck out and say Norwich is, Salary base in the Premier League will be considerably the lowest of the other twenty clubs. So that's that's the realism. That's the reality of the situation, and they the, the won't be able to offer a, an Emi Buendia replacement the, the same money he's getting at Aston Villa. Nowhere near it. Um, probably probably only a third. If we, if we if that is the figure that's been banded about eighty thousand a week, I think um, yeah, that's that's complete. As I say. You know, they're in the Premier League, but they're not when it comes to the transfer aspect of this they're they're in a completely different stratosphere to the majority of the clubs um can't think of any clubs really who you know Burnley maybe could they compete yeah. with them? but probably not because Burnley have had sustained access to Premier League broadcast revenue Norwich haven't had that so. I really
0: can't. They've got Americans in during the last season, but I think Burnley initially sort of did it in a way Norwich are doing at the moment, didn't they?
1: Exactly, exactly. And that's and that's what we have to bear in mind. So, you know, I think the reality is we know Stuart Webber is a bit of an alchemist. Him, 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 and Kieran Scott. (laughs) They've had had one or two misses, but you know, Pookie, Cruel, Buendia—just those three for starters. But I don't think we can expect him to go out and find a ready-made Emmy Buendia. And let's be honest, Emi Buendia isn't proven in the Premier League. You know, the the, the season he had, um, good few assists, but his goal count was poor for for, for the level of player that we think he can go on to be. So Villa are buying potential. Yes, he's coming off the back of an unbelievable season in in the Championship. And I think we'd have all have felt if he'd have stayed in the green and yellow shirt, those numbers would have been considerably higher this time around in the Premier League because he knows what it's all about now. and He's two years wiser and a bit more mature and his game is rounded a bit more. But it is... Still, an element of gamble from Aston Villa, that sort of deal, that scaler deal for me, the finances involved. Um, and it, that's where Norwich are that, that ultimately, whoever they bring in those attacking player positions now, they're not going to be ready made, off the shelf, ready to go proven Premier League performers. They're going to be players with potential who, with the right coaching under Daniel um, and who fit the template of how Daniel wants to go about it in terms of his tactical aspect of it, who they feel can kick on. I mean, you only have to look at You know, we've seen him. He was excellent for Slovakia the other day. You're talking about the Euros, Dave. You know, Andre Duda, he looked a completely different player to the lad who was wandering about a little bit. Not sure what on earth was going on in those months when they brought him in on loan the previous Premier League season. Yet, there's no doubt that that is a player of some ability in an attacking midfield number 10 position. Um, And he showed that the other day, I thought, at a a very good level, the European Championship. So, you know, ultimately recruitment, they can be as me as precise as they can, but there will be an element of gamble to this. And we just you just have to hope, if you're an Orange fan, that who they do target, they get more right than they do wrong. And certainly more right than they did two summers ago when, OK, they didn't have the finances to try and do the business they want to do this summer. But as Stuart Webber famously said afterwards, you know, they, they basically didn't give Daniel the firepower he needed, did they? They got it badly wrong, didn't give him the support they needed. Um, I don't think they will do that again this summer but how successful well nobody knows and that's the beauty of it you know th- this is a bit of a open book at the minute right here right now at the start of the summer Um, but I just go back to what Stuart said to us at the end of this season just gone judge them when that window closes look at the squad they've got then, compare it with the squad they had at the end of this past season if the squad is better and the 11 is better then they've done their job haven't they and then it's over to Daniel to try and extract the maximum from that squad but you know, I think we just, ultimately, we just uh, if you're an Irish fan, you've just got to be, sad, sad as it is to say, quite realistic and maybe a little bit pessimistic in the sense of, you know, the recruitment they do do, yes, they will endeavour to bring in that quality, but, you know, you're a 20th wage budget club in a Premier League that, you know, you're by some distance the smallest financial operation in it. So, you know, that's what it is. And they're going to, what they'll hope to do is make up, for what they lack in financial power in other areas, whether it's good coaching or whether it's the togetherness of the group of players, whether it's those marginal games off the pitch, hopefully getting fans back in into road and what they can bring, you know, in terms of atmospheres, you go back to that Man City epic. Um, and ultimately that those constituent parts add up to enough to keep them above above 17th for this first season and then kick on from there. But, you know, I, I think anybody anybody who's, hoping that they've got 30 plus million in the bank now from maybe Buendia's sale, and they're now going to suddenly start throwing 20 million pounds at players. Not going to happen.
0: Yeah. And as most people I think are aware by this point, you don't just get a hundred million up front either. Of course, they don't just write you that 97 million pound check or whatever and, the hundred and seventy, hundred and eighty million figure that gets balanced around that is including parachute payments, isn't it? Three years of parachute payments, which if Norwich goes straight back down, they don't even get. You only get two as well, so it's complex. And um, uh, a lot of clubs, like a Villa, who have got exceptionally wealthy owners, they just don't have to worry about it, do they? They either borrow the money or they tap up the owner to to fill those little holes, and that's what Norwich can't do. And you know, we've seen Ben Kensel leave this week, and whatever the perceived. Uh, sort of reputation and, and the unpopularity of some things he did and, and popularity of a lot of things he did as well guys like Ben Kensel and the financial guys at Carrow Road have a tough job don't they they're, they're trying to get blood from a stone effectively a lot of the time and trying to maximise as much as they can to you know build up that transfer budget as much as is possible for a club like Norwich that is the self-funded model so it is I, I quite like it in a way that I think it's a bit different. And as a reporter, certainly that you're covering a club who are doing things that little bit differently and um, are are trying to crack the Premier League nut in in a different way to the rest of the other clubs. And the big thing always is if they can do it just once or twice, stay up at that level, the whole game changes and then they can start to think about spending consistently bigger fees like Burnley did and get established. But Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, The final question from Twitter. It's good you mentioned Duda, actually, Pad, because that flows into this one. Uh, Charlie says, do you think it's likely we'll sign the majority of our players from overseas sides or use what's available to buy two or three championship players due to the cost? It seems like 30 million could be four or five players from Germany, but only two or three from England. Um, I think the big impact on that is the changes to the work permit rules uh, once Brexit's, officially happened at the start of the year I think now to get a work permit for someone they pretty much have got to be playing either in a top flight or in European competition for a club that plays at that sort of a level or they've got to be um, playing and starting regularly for a club uh, for a nation sorry in FIFA's top 50 so Finland for instance are just outside the top 50 so Puki wouldn't have been able to come to Norwich in 2018 as he did so I think that has probably been levelled out a little bit, and, and the players that Norwich have got to target because they are um, established players who can get a work permit probably is going to put them in a similar bracket finance-wise to your top EFL players. But um, that's that's an evolving thing, really, isn't it, Pad? I mean, we don't know how the work permit rules will, will evolve. Um, that's something that it sounds like not all clubs really have got got to grips with yet either but certainly from from what we've heard from the club that that Norwich straight away were hot on the work permit in the um what's it called the GBE the government body endorsement which is what you need to get from the FA you have to qualify for this certain amount of points Norwich has switched on to it aren't they
1: Demetrius you knew this that's that's all you need to know about that Dave yeah I mean they were bearing in mind that was the first window when those regulations started to take actual effect um you know, they, they were very proactive. And, again, Stuart talked about how he referenced certain individuals in the club, the secretarial and almost administrative and the, and the legal teams. They were, like, almost learning as they went uh, uh, in terms of that your new list deal. And he was right on the cut line. I think he was right on 15 points. So he only just qualified um, for the necessary paperwork to get him over here. But having gone through that process, and that was the point Stuart made, this coming summer now, they probably are ahead of, the vast majority of English clubs. And that goes back to what I just said before about financially, maybe, you know, you line Norwich up in a head V head against any of the other 19 clubs in the Premier League, forget it. But if it's aspects of, well, we can target player X in that league. And, but we know because we've been through this course and distance with Demetrius you deal that we could bring him in. Um, and other clubs are still scrambling around and just trying to get to the bottom of what in, in terms of the red tape element of this, then Norwich steal a march, don't they? And then you know, then you can, because you know, to be honest, six point two million for your new list uh, for a permanent deal for a fully fledged Greek international who'd been playing at a top level club in Greece in European competition. Well, that's that's by anybody's measure, very very good business. It remains to be seen if he can step up and and look a look a decent player in the Premier League. He certainly seems to have the attributes to, to, to shine in the Premier League in terms of you look at his game and, and how well it is suited to, to how Daniel wants to play. Um, and so, you know, this time next season, let's be positive, this time next summer, Demetrius Yanoulis, we might be viewing him as, uh, you know, two, three times the value of that figure because he's proven himself. So there's the risk, there's the risk and there's the creativity measured in one player. So for him, that's exactly what they'll be looking to do uh, this time round, I think. And I mean, you say there that, is there a counterbalance between domestic and... I still think they're going to tip more towards the overseas because I think there's more value in the overseas market uh, within the context of, obviously, yeah, right. There's no point in targeting players who they know they won't get through the red tape aspect. So, But they'll know that. That'll have been factored in to their to their recruitment strategy. So, um, I mean, the, the lad earlier in the week, the Celta Vigo attacking field of Bryce Mendes, I don't think right here, right now, there's anything firm to that. But he's clearly a player who they would be well aware of because they've obviously looked at the Spanish league's you know, Buendia, obviously, but since then, Xavi Quintilla, they went went back to Spain, plucked him from Villarreal. So he is a player they will know all about. And and you look at him and his talk that, you know, £9-10 million pounds is, is a sort of value attached to him. And he was training with the Spanish squad prior to the mm-hmm. Euro. So had excellent numbers in La Liga for a team who finished in the top eight. So again, just that, maybe not top tier, maybe not even the tier below, but players in decent leagues who come into their price bracket, who could fit potentially... The type of player Daniel's looking for that's the type of recruitment I think we'll we'll see from Norwich this summer,
0: yeah, and those um rules and the points they have to accumulate they're very harsh literally if a nation if you're looking at the international caps, if a nation's outside the top fifty, that's just it they don't they get hardly any credit for it at all which is which is a bit strange to be honest. another name from Spain that we've seen um in recent months well, it's come up again, actually isn't it? It's Adrian Imbarba espanol, he was linked during the transfer window of the last Premier League season. So, of course, they're going to be looking at all, all those leagues, they've got to find, as, as we said earlier, they're looking for sort of their own little uh, niche almost, aren't they? Players who maybe have got 12 months left on their contract or just something that weighs in their favour. Um, anyway, here's one that I've been wanting to ask for a little while, Pad, on Madison because you did a story on this um, today, didn't you? Charlie Summers on YouTube says, Afternoon, chaps. Few rumours about Madison going around. Any idea on a sell-on percentage we have, if any? Which I believe you can give us a pretty good answer on.
1: Yes, and it's fifteen percent. So um, you know you can do you can do the math, as the Americans might say. Uh, you know, if they paid originally sort of low end twenty million. Um, obviously, there was clauses aside from the sell on, but apart from I think Leicester got into the Europa League two seasons ago, got into it this time around. But there was a payout on that aspect. But in terms of the England side and Champions League, not as yet, sadly. Um, but there is definitely that that type of sell on. So uh, normally it's on the profit of these things. So You know he's getting touted with fifty million pound departures, thirty million pound, fifteen percent of that. Yes, please. You know that would, as he was pointed out to me the other day, that would comfortably fill any hole left by the BK8 sponsorship deal this summer, wouldn't it? So all contributions gratefully received. And and again, you know, back to, to start this discussion and about is there any concern that the sort of lack of business and you know are we getting you know a bit concerned that Stuart and his team are you know not quite all over this? Just look at. The, the deals that he's done, those big, huge deals for, for him, for Godfrey, the way they've structured them, if those players go on and fulfil their potential and they've made excellent starts to their respective next stages of their careers, then there could be some residual dividends coming to Norwich. Um, and that's, again, part of the model. It's placing these clubs, Buendia. You know, Buendia goes and has an unbelievable season. He won't be at Aston Villa too long, Let, let's be honest. You know, he will then go into the elite bracket And he'll be going for considerably more than 30 plus million. And if that is the case, again, Norwich will get a payout from that. So, um, yes, is the simple and short answer. James Madison leaves this summer for whoever, for that sort of scale of figure. Then you're probably talking anywhere between maybe three, five, six million hitting Norwich's bank account, which will be very gratefully received, I'm sure.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Nick Deal says feels strange to me that Weber would have signed off on the Buendia deal without a replacement ready to go. He talked about a Premier League tax before. Now we have a Buendia tax on top of that, which is quite a uh, quite a good take on it. And this is something me and Connor discussed a bit last week, Pad. So um, or the other week. So I'm interested to get your sort of take on it, but a couple of questions. We had a few on um, Bryce Mendez as well, but you've already spoken about him, the link to the Celtic Vigo uh, player this week. Uh, Ed Ivan says, will Kieran Dow take Emmy's place in the team next season? And where was the other one on the similar vibe? Steve Chick, afternoon gents, any news slash rumours on a creative midfielder to replace Buendia? So I've, I've written a piece on this and spoken about it before. But where where do you sort of see Kieran Dowell? And I suppose Campwell in this whole scheme of Buendia's exit, they obviously it puts added importance on them, but we saw Dowell play very well on the right at Forest, didn't we, the night that Buendia was was unavailable. Um, do you think there's any chance that we end up seeing Dowell as being the starting right winger and, and and almost maybe not permanently, but even in the sort of start of the season, he could be somebody who steps in to Emmy's role quite quickly and it is able to get up to speed there as as a sort of sort of ready made replacement.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting one. And ultimately we can't really answer that until we, you know, we get to the start of the season and we see what they because ultimately it will hinge on who they bring in. They're clearly going to look to bring in uh, somebody to to do a similar type of role to to Emmy. They're all, they're pri- even prior to Emmy's departure they were looking for a another wide player who can operate down down the middle so potentially we're talking here about Cantwell Dowell and two other new as yet arrivals into that mix so um i could i could see him operating down the right but irrespective of whether it's down the right or down the middle i think he he as if you put him alongside Cantwell for me Cantwell has shown already that he can operate in the premier league that the premier league suits him you know that the start he had to that season uh, two seasons ago um the goals the assists he just looked at home and comfortable in that environment we can't say the same about Kieran Dale yet because, you know, very limited opportunity with Everton in Premier League level. Um, I think it was only one or two games. One of those was his debut yeah. against Norwich, I recall. But, so that, for me, is the big question. Mark. It's not necessarily where you would play him across that front three behind Timu. It's can you play him at that level and can he look comfortable and can he look like he's able to make a difference? Sadly, that wasn't the case with Marco Steeperman. He stepped up and... It, it didn't really work for him in the Premier League. He didn't he, he looked like a player. It was a bit he was a bit out of sync with the Premier League and, and demands, hence why they went and brought in Andre Duda midway through that season. Um so I'm more interested really in terms of Kieran Dowell is, is just to see can he step up and early on look like he's comfortable at that level and whether it's down the middle or down the right hand side. What we do know clearly and we, we saw ample evidence of evidence of that towards the end of last season, what a talent he is, you know, technically he shouldn't have any issues at all adapting to the Premier League. You know, some of his awareness, his, his ability on the ball, that free kick against Derby, phenomenal technique. Um, that There is a player there who, who, to me, should be Premier League grade, but we need to see that. And if, if let's look positive, let, let's look positive, if, he, if he, he starts a few games in August and he starts to show that, which we saw at the end of the Championship season, then he could save Daniel and Stewart quite a few headaches because what they'll be hoping is that he does step up. Because if he doesn't, you probably got another issue in terms of that front four, really, um, including Timu, because, you know, that's where they fell down. You know, there was one or two other areas, of course, in the Premier League two seasons ago. But after that initial bright start faded, they they just didn't look like they had enough guile or nous about them at the top end of the pitch, you know, once this sort of initial allure of, oh, we're in the Premier League now, isn't this fun, isn't this exciting, once that wore off um, – it was it was a pretty painful slog at the top end of the pitch in terms of the creativity and the goals and the assists. So, uh, massive aspect of them getting it right again if they want to avoid what happened two seasons ago. So, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd certainly give him a go at the start of the season, whether it was down the right, down the middle. I mean, they're so interchangeable those three areas behind team, yeah. aren't they? Let's be honest. Even Campbell, Campbell's not an out and out wide player. His propensity is to cut inside and and play through the middle and then get the wide players Janulis and Aaron's Aarons are we still here? on the right-hand side, offering the width. So I think that, that Dowell is certainly interchangeable enough to play in that front three, middle or right-hand side of. Um, but for me, the bigger issue with him is, can he grasp it? Can he show us what Campbell did at the start of the two seasons ago and, and show that he can impact games at the Premier League level?
0: Max has got a double barreled surname now, isn't he? Everyone ends up going Aaron's errands. <laughs> I do anyway,
1: yeah a third
0: name. Um yeah, I'm really interested to see how Dow gets on as well because I I I agree I think there is a uh, a good chance that we're going to see that similarity to how Campwell just seemed to suit the rhythm of the Premier League better than the uh, rough and tumble of the championship uh, of the championship. Um William Catchpole on YouTube says, anything on Skip since all the Tottenham manager controversies? I mean, no, that's not moved on at all. I think you, you never know. Gattuso, they seem to have uh, decided not to go down that route, which was a bit of a surprise to everyone anyway. But he was very much a defensive midfielder, wasn't he? So he might have been uh, a big Ollie Skip fan. So them moving their interest from that might end up, but as we've expected since the end of last season, the ollie skip thing is going to rumble on quite possibly until deadline day we we'll just have to see how things turn out at spurs uh jack Fitzgibbon asks will melvin city stay i mean with the way norwich's central midfield is at the moment literally in terms of numbers they may well need him in defensive uh, defensive midfield in pre-season because there's only jacob Sorensen there at the moment isn't there and you know that's what he was sort of brought in it was maybe thought that he could be one of those players they were thinking could be a long-term successor to Alex Tete. Uh, still a young guy. I think he's only twenty twenty-one, but his loan at Beveren just didn't go well at all. He got an injury right at the start of the season and then didn't get any chances at all. So he would have to have a heck of a pre-season to be uh, a legitimate consider- consideration ahead of the Premier League this season. Uh, I'll put this one to you, Pad. Um, following on a little bit from what you were saying there, really, but Craig Brown on Facebook why not send Ida out on loan if Fucker has no intention of giving him games? He needs games now. His talent is wasted sitting on the bench most of the season. Well, from what we hear, they do want to give him games, don't they?
1: Oh, there's no doubt. They, they really feel, again, like we said with Dal, you look at a player, you feel, can they operate in the Premier League? Um, Dal, yes. Ida, very much, yes. Very bullish um, towards the end of last season and at, at the start of the summer speak to anybody at the club who's in these positions where they're making those type of decisions. And no, there's no way he's going out. He's uh, he's very much part of the plans. And, you know, if we talk about the strikers, you have to continue. I mean, we saw, you know, a pretty dejected-looking Timu Puki on the bench when he came off the other day. He's not fit. Clearly, he's not fit playing for Finland. Um, and my concern now is, is not Finland and their progress in the Euros. It's what the impact and the knock-on effect is for Norwich. Because, you know, if he literally, figuratively, limps back to to Norwich over the summer, is he going to be fit and firing, as he needs to be? He needs to be at his absolute best for Norwich to hit the ground running, particularly with the fixture list as it is now. Um, and, And my concern is that he's not going to be in that state. And if he isn't, they'll already have to be thinking about alternatives, whether that's internally, and if it is, either, I think it's probably the next cab off the rank. Or, you know, the Armstrong talk would tell you that, you know, maybe they've started to consider, because certainly at the start of the summer, The vibe very much was, no, we don't need an out-and-out striker to bring in. We're going to rely on what we've got already in the building and then supplement it with like a Josh King type player who can maybe dual wide player and down the middle. Maybe there's an acceptance now with part of that equation being Timo's fitness and that they might need to go out and bring an out-and-out striker in. And and I think with Timo, I had a look the other day, you know, his contractual status, because again, I've seen talk of the Turkish football clubs looking at him again this summer, rightly or wrongly. Mm. I think he's entering now the final twelve months. There is an option similar to Cantwell, but you know, in the in the mid to long term way that they obviously plan strategically, you know, you might need to start already now thinking about not so much this coming season, but what does the following season look like in terms of who's leading Norwich's front line? And with great respect to him, he's not getting any younger. Um, he's got a hell of a lot of miles on the clock, and um, and I think those that's clearly increasingly going to be an aspect they're going to have to look at. And if that is the case, and they're thinking not only shorter term, but mid to longer term. Well, let's see. Let's see Adam Eder. What's he got? You know, We've, we've seen glimpses of his ability. Um, not so much in the Premier League, really. Uh, but he was so raw two years ago, I don't think we'd place any store by what we saw in those cameos against Man United and one or two other games. And really, his championship season was wrecked, sadly, by by injury. And, you know, he was di- one of the players who was diagnosed with coronavirus as well. So it was very stop-start. But there's, there's still a rock-solid belief inside that camp that he can be a, an influential player at Premier League level. Obviously, initially, probably as an understudy to Timu, but who knows? As the season develops, he gets into the side, scores a few goals, confidence, young player. Could catch fire, couldn't he? So, mm. no, to answer that question, he won't be going out alone, definitely not. Um, but it's a fair point. If it goes the other way, and let's hope Timu is fit and firing himself and, is the main man scoring goals every week. And Adam Ead is not really getting much more than the odd cameo for his, for his own development. That's probably not the best thing. And and then you have to start considering maybe it is time to let him go out and play some football because I don't think he's going to kick on if he's, uh, you know, sat on the bench most weeks in the Premier League. Great to be training and in a Premier League environment day in, day out, but ultimately, and you saw it with his compatriot, Bamba Daly. look how he's kicked on just for a 10 or 12 game spell at the end of last season. Now, there's a guy who probably, if he hadn't had any first-team action towards the end of the season, you're probably bracketing him with a Reese McAleer, with no disrespect to Reese. You know, you're thinking maybe a Scottish Championship level loan for him. Now, depending on what they do in terms of the central defensive areas, I don't think he'll be going anywhere because he's proven that he is actually a viable option. Now, obviously, he's going up a level, so let's not put too much pressure on him, but... That's that's the shifting sands. That there's there's a player who grabbed his chance in a very short period of time, showed he was probably capable, and uh, and he as a result will probably now be part of Norwich's Premier League plans, certainly in the, the early part of the, the season. So, no, I don't I don't see Adam going out anywhere in the interim. Um, but you're right. The questioner is spot on for me. It, of all the kind of players who go out on loan, should they not go out on loan? He's the most. Uh, Debatable one because you can see both sides of the argument. I think with the majority of them, you know, we'll take Sam McCallum. I think he needs to go and play games because I don't think he's anywhere near good enough for Norwich's first team yet. But certainly Adamida, if you've got a run of games, you just don't know. He could contribute, and uh, and as a result, if you're Farker and Weber, I think of all the younger players just sort of below established first team level, probably an Adamida is the most difficult one just in terms of what does his career look like, look like the next six to twelve months.
0: Yeah, and we've got to remember these guys are still young, aren't they? I think McCallum and Ida are both still 20. And you know, Ida's playing for Ireland again this summer and stuff like that. So Craig Brown says billing would be a great signing, too expensive. I know. Um Jack was is, is clearly a big Melvin City fan because he'd asked that question about eight times before we got to it. Um but he, he's got his answer now. Uh, I've just been trying to keep up with the comments, really, because there's absolutely loads coming through. Game Guide 2502 on YouTube. I've been hearing about us linked to Joel Randall from Exeter. Yeah, we mentioned that a little bit earlier. Uh, you can read that at Pinker.com at the moment. He's uh, He had a really good sort of breakthrough season in League Two this year. Eight goals at that level. Uh, Celtic um, and Charlton. Linked previously, Peterborough apparently had a bid turned down. So, we're doing a bit of digging on that one, trying to find out how serious Norwich's interest is because he sounds like the sort of lad at 21 who the sort of numbers in League Two as a winger is going to be getting noticed by sort of championship level, maybe lower Premier League level clubs as one for the future. But again, as we said, he's not someone that would be coming into Norwich's Premier League thinking that's the sort of player who, if they were to get get him for whatever half a million or something uh even maybe a package worth a million they'd then be looking to loan him out to a better level than league two it's all all a big process isn't it this is an interesting one pad Tom Chan on YouTube says with Tete gone do you think there's a chance we'll go for slightly older players to bring experience into the dressing room
1: I, I do I do actually yeah um for that very reason that that you Yes, there will be an element of risk in terms of maybe players who haven't played in the Premier League, but by the same token, maybe, 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 but, but you look at Gibson and Jordan Hugel, they came in last summer, they're certainly in that bracket, slightly older players, a bit more experienced, not huge amounts in the Premier League, granted, but for certainly the Championship level when they were recruited, that was very much the template. Just experience, but also the characters as well. You know, players who've been around the block a little bit can handle adversity, the, the tougher times, they, they know. What it's about, you know, good characters inside the dressing room dynamic, the, f- the team spirit, uh, and that aspect of it as well. So, yeah, I think I think I, w- I wouldn't I wouldn't say they're going to abandon what their philosophy is about because ultimately it's primarily developing players, and then they either stay at Norwich or they get moved on for considerably more than Norwich pay for them. So that's still very much the, the the necessity in terms of recruitment, one strand of it. But yeah, I, I think I think we've seen enough pragmatism from. Daniel and Stuart now, uh, since they've arrived, in various aspects of how they've gone about the jobs, that I wouldn't be wouldn't be beyond the realms to think that there probably would be one or two. I wouldn't say old. I mean, when you say older, I mean I don't think we're going to be in Teddy age. Otherwise, what's the point of Teddy? <laughs> <that you might laughs> but but maybe, maybe mid to later twenties. Yeah, maybe more, possibly approaching their peak or just just at the start of their peak years rather than. You know, somebody who's uh, who's here for a final payday. I, that that certainly won't be happening,
0: though. No. no, I think there's some good leadership there already, isn't there? And Krill, Gibson, Hanley Pookie, etc. You got you got a decent uh, group of sort of leaders there, uh, right? I've been trying to catch up with all the comments because we've absolutely loads. So I'm not going to get through all of them, but there's one that I want to finish on, which I think would be good on Max Aaron's pad. So I'll come to you on that in a minute. Aaron's, Aaron's, Aarons, Aarons. sorry. <laughs> Chamlam on YouTube says disappointing. Ida didn't get a full season. I was expecting him to shine. Wesley U on YouTube says, such a shame, Duda didn't work out. What a player. Trevor Hill, we must get another de- decent central defender in. I think most people agree with that, and I think that is the club's intention as well. Uh, Chumlam again, Buendia is irreplaceable. What we can do is strengthen two positions with the money and hope the team is more prepared for the Prem as a result. Uncle Mort says Dow cannot match Emmy's defensive work, which is a good point that as much as Buendia's creative numbers get a lot of hype, his defensive numbers were fantastic as well, weren't they? So, um, And just to finish on then, Pad, the question about Max, if I just scroll back up to it, where was it? I can't find it now. Uh, There we go, the box protector. Aarons was touted as to be gone first. No words on him or rumours. Is he staying? Uh, the last rumour we heard was Inter Milan, I think, wasn't it? Um, from uh, uh, I'm not sure how serious we were taking that link, but you can kind of say that for Max's situation overall, can't you? Because he's been linked with basically every top club in Europe, so it kind of it's sort of reached farcical proportions. But given we know. That by uh, sorry, not by me, but Barcelona actually inquired, and we went through all that first last what was it September, yeah. um, you have to give it some sort of um, uh, seriousness and and the reports are that it was Roma that had the bid rejected in January, etc so it it's not quite as far as it first seems, but just to close on Padre, yeah, w- with max we haven't heard anything new, have we, and we, we're not really sure on on what the Emmy sale, what sort of impact that will have on the situation?
1: Well, yeah, yes and no, Dave. I mean, I'd have seen the last day or two, not Mu, because he's been linked to them already, but but the United, they they want Trippier. Apparently they've opened discussions with Atletico. Um, Atletico don't want to let the lad go. He's just won the Spanish title with him. He's got two years left. So certain outlets, um, Sky being one, have said that if they don't get Trippier... Max Aarons is is one they would then look at, um, and you know, if Manchester United come knocking and, and paying Buendia plus type figures, then I think Max Aarons will go. I think he's sadly in the same bracket as Emmy. I think he's probably feels he, he could have gone last summer. He didn't. It was to his eternal credit. He got his head down, and, and with all that Barcelona and all the other Bayern Munich and PSG, I mean, just ridiculous football manager esque kind of uh, you know speculation and in Barcelona's case, actual, you know, picking up the phone to Stuart Weber didn't one iota alter his performance levels. And he finished the season yeah. again with his reputation enhanced. Um, and he is now, for me, one of the best young English talents in in, in the game right now. Uh, all that experience he's amassed, you know, 100 plus appearances, senior level, two promotions. OK, he's had a relegation, but even that in, its sense, in itself, a full season in the Premier League at his age, there's not many players who've got that on their uh, CV. Regular for England, 21s, played in tournament football for them. No, I, sadly, I think uh, he will go. Um, and I, I've got a theory, and it's only my theory I hasten to add, but I I think the club who've been consistently linked with him is Tottenham. Now, Norwich want Oli Skibb. Tottenham will say want Max Aarons. I think there'll probably be a deal to be done there, potentially, working out the figures in terms of the the differential, because clearly, you know, you would think Max Aaron's would cost more than Ollie Skip. I'm not even saying that maybe an Ollie Skip permanent. I'm saying maybe an Ollie Skip loan and then X amount on top and you get Max Aaron's. And ultimately, it doesn't really matter who the Tottenham head coach is or isn't at the minute, because these deals at that level get put together by the Stuart Weber types at football clubs. You know, Daniel said, I remember Daniel saying when they got Ollie Skip out, Twelve months ago, it wasn't Jose who gave the green light. Um, Jose didn't really have anything to do with it. It was Stuart Weber, his counterpart, who he knows very well, very close relationship um, at Tottenham. They were the ones who put that Ollie Skip deal together. So why can't you know in the background that be happening now? I just th- I just think the way Stuart was so bullish about Oli Skip's chances of coming back. Separate rating a who's the new head coach at Tottenham, which we don't know still, and that might alter it. Yes, but also the injury situation given out. That he's pretty much going to be out for the majority of the summer and is he going to be fit at the start of the season? Probably not. But the way Stuart was still quite openly talking up as if we were in with a chance, you know, I've spoken to Wally. I've spoken to his representative, clearly they've indicated quite favourably that they would be receptive to coming back to Norwich, whether it's a loan or a permanent. So I'm thinking if I'm hearing that from people who matter, who make these deals happen, then... Is there a, is there an Aaron's dimension to that? And that's just me putting two and two together. It might not add up to four, but the fact that there isn't anything speculation-wise happening at the minute, I wouldn't read too much into that. Because ultimately, the other thing I'd say is the clubs who've been linked to him, you know, they're probably looking at players if they're looking for right backs still at the Euros at the minute. So I think there'd be an element of the Euros maybe taking away a bit of the focus on a, on a Max Aaron's. But I just I just I just think it could be leading towards maybe a Tottenham. Exit and maybe Ollie Skip is a part of that deal, and if so, um, that doesn't really need to happen imminently, does it? Because you know wheels can be put in place and then buttons can be pressed whenever between now and the start of the season, pre-season ideally. But uh, I just, I just don't see a scenario. Sadly, you know, I- irrespective of Emmy going, I just don't see a scenario where Max Aarons is an Orange player. Uh, if not at, from the start of the season, certainly by the end of the window. I just think uh, we've reached the same point we reached with Emmy, and that if if a, a, another club are willing to match Norwich's valuation, that deal will get done. So, um, yeah, sadly, because uh, I think uh, he's going to be a bit more difficult to replace maybe than, well, maybe not more difficult, but if you take in Buendia and Aarons out and that point about Dowell and the defensive side is very valid because if you strip Norwich's complete right flank out of last season, then that, that, is, a, that is a bit of more of a concern in terms of how do you replace them properly, adequately, for the money they would be able to spend. So, But then again, that's what Stuart Webber's getting paid for. So, uh, you know, I'm sure he will be, if that is the scenario, he will have a solution in in his head already. So, no, I don't think Max Aarons will be a Norwich player. And I personally, if I had a pound and I was going to put it anywhere, I'd put it on Tottenham. And hopefully, but hopefully as an upside, substantial uplift in terms of the bank balance and also Ollie Skip coming back the other way. That'd be nice.
0: Yeah, which I think a lot of Norwich fans would go for. It's Steve Hitchin, isn't it? He's head of recruitment, I think at Spurs, but they've also got a new sporting director, haven't they? Um, Paratici, who they brought in from Juventus, yeah. so that adds a, a new dynamic to it all as well, but um, they're yeah. obviously going to work very closely together. I, I just think, from Max's point of view, you know, England are so strong at right-back, but Walker and Trippier within the next couple of years are probably not going to be playing much more international football, you wouldn't have thought. If Max is going to have any chance of competing with Alexander Arnold and Rhys James for that England right-back spot at some point in his career, I think he'll probably be thinking now's the time I've got to take a step up. Now's the time I've got to be playing for a bigger club and and raise my profile and things like that. And um, uh, He's got a tough job in his hands anyway. Tarek at Brighton as well, is very highly thought of, isn't he? It's a, a position that uh, England are ridiculously strong with really so um we shall see i can see there's a few comments talking about harrison reed and harry wilson but um i won't go too, uh too deep with them as daniel likes to say um also mentioned sorry i can't see who it was that mentioned it but Henry Lansbury is also signed for Luton which has been uh, which follows on from Cameron Jerome joining Luton which was announced um I think at lunchtime just before we I got the story on our website just before we started this um who of course was playing for Russ Martin's NK Dons in League One this season so uh interesting that Cam is stepping back up Elliot Bennett has gone to Shrewsbury as well left Blackburn so uh, there's a, f- a few stories doing the rounds on uh, uh, which are worth worth having a look at which you can read uh, at pinkin.com And, of course, we'll keep you up to date with everything as much as we can. Uh, We always have somebody working at the weekend as well at the moment to to stay on top of any breaking news and things like that and and keeping an eye on the Euros. Um, So, yeah, Pinkham.com and the papers, of course. Um, We will catch up with you very soon. This is pretty much our standard slot now, 1pm on a Friday for window watch during during the summer. So um, we'll see you here this time next week um, if you want to catch up with all the latest. But as we sit here, it's still only what, about two weeks until the players will definitely be back in for pre-season and really stepping things up and, and starting to think about the new season. So we all expected a busy summer. We know that Norwich has still got a lot of recruitment work to do, ins and outs. But that time frame is starting to come that little bit more condensed, so it's going to be an interesting time. Thanks very much for watching. We'll catch you soon.